You're listening to the Be So Good podcast with Colin Pierce. Colin says you are 10 times better than you think. So why not be so good that they simply can't ignore you? Here's your host, Colin Pierce. This is the companion recording to the book Make More Money from Every Sale. It was captured at a session I gave to some florists in Adelaide during a national tour for Interflora. Naturally, you'd be saying, I don't sell flowers, so I think I'll hike this one out the window. Ah, hasten slowly, dear listener. You'll find the things I tell the florists apply perfectly to you, as they do to every organisation and industry category for whom I present it. So let's start at the beginning and talk about what is add-on selling. Now it's coincidental that this evening the crew that is videoing this presentation was the cause of this story I'm about to tell you. Now it reminded me this evening because they told me they were out of batteries and that took me back four years to the time that they were out of batteries once before. And as the producer of the particular shoot that we were on, they said, go and get the batteries when you get our morning tea. Now they don't say please, they don't say would you mind, they don't say sir, they just say go get and do this. So I go, went and did. I went to a little shop, in fact it was a Cunningham's warehouse, so for those of you not in Adelaide, that's a, a $2 shop where you can get all the sorts of bargains you like. They're, you know, you've seen them in every, every city of the world nowadays, the $2 shop. So this uh, little shop was a bit embarrassing for me, I went in there dressed like this and it was in, in a place where there weren't many people dressed like me, so I sort of scurried around, put my coat over my head and felt a bit awkward being in this place and uh, got the batteries, ran up to the counter and was hoping to get out very quickly before somebody saw me because I was feeling like the complete snob, expecting not to find anybody worthy of my, uh, of my dignified presence, let alone anybody knew anything about marketing or business, after all it was a two dollar shop. So I stood there looking around the shop, hoping nobody discovered me, feeling awfully snobbish about the whole process, an arrogant sort of look on my face, and suddenly this sweet little voice from behind the counter said, everybody notices the Easter eggs. And I hadn't noticed the Easter eggs at this time, but I looked up and there she was, I guess she was 15, 16, and I looked around and there were a whole array of beautiful shiny Easter eggs. And suddenly I thought of my crew who were expecting pies, pasties, sandwiches, coffee, the whole deal. I thought, ah, Easter eggs, that'll shut them up for a while. So I said, well, how much are the little thumb-sized ones? Because I don't think much of my crew. But they've been elevated tonight. They got a fist. No, I think you got a thumb-sized one again tonight, didn't you? I said to them. Uh, I said to the young lady, "Well, how much are the thumb-sized ones?" She said, "That's a dollar forty. And I said, "Okay, give us a few bags of those." And she rubbed her tummy and she said, "But the creamy ones are better. I love them the most." And I said, "That is amazing. Have you any idea what you just did?" And she said, "What?" <laughs> she thought she'd made an awful mistake and I said, you took me, you cross-sold me from batteries to Easter eggs without batting an eyelid, you upsold me from solids to creamies. I'll have a whole pack of creamies, please. She said, what? <laughs> the poor thing had no idea what she had done and I said to myself, that is add-on selling. This is a person who's totally innocent about what she's doing. She was thinking of me, she was telling me what she loved, she knew that it would be exciting for me to have the creamies and so she said, have the creamy ones without ever thinking that it would offend me, that it would hurt me, that it would ruin me, financially bankrupt me. She just shared the joy of living and the joy of her favourite product. 
that to me is add-on selling, done in all innocence, in all sweetness. And if we can get that picture in our minds, then that will really help us. So I'm going to ask you a question straight away. If you would mind just getting into a little group of two or three in your seat there, doesn't matter, you don't have to divide up the maths of it too hard, threes, twos, just buzz for 30 seconds and decide among yourselves what is the purpose of business. Ready, set, go. So let's have your response. Madam President? Money. Make money, she says. Uh, is there a, an agreement on make money? Would you raise your hands? Oh, look at that. How, how wonderful. I have news for you. To make money is the purpose of the mafia and the triad gangs. <laughs> would somebody else like to make a suggestion? What else would there be in, in the purpose of business? Uh, to make people happy. Isn't that lovely? Put your hand up for those people who said service, make people happy, something like that, please. You know, put your hands up, tell the truth, shame the devil. Well, actually, that is the purpose of St. Vincent de Paul and the Salvation Army. So if you wanted to have that sort of combination, I suppose you could say, well, that's what I would look like. I would look like somebody with a Salvation Army drum and a Tommy gun in one hand and making the people give. Well, here's my definition of customer service and the purpose of business. It's like this. To provide such a fabulous service that people will enjoy helping you make a profit. You think about that. To provide such a fabulous service, an all singing, all dancing, star-studded performance, day in, day out, where the people love to come by and see what you're up to next. To see what colour your face is today. To see what colour your hair is today. To see what you've got on special today. To see what you're giving away today. To see what you're advising them with today. And they come in and they say, what's going on here this time? to provide such a fabulous service that they come in with their money already out saying, come on, sell me something, I dare you. And they actually love coming to do business with you because you're the one highlight of their whole business life. Do you understand that? It's simple as that, like the little girl with the Easter eggs, to provide such a fabulous service that people will enjoy helping you make a profit. Well, here comes the question, why should we sell more? Well, the picture tells the story that there are, the customers just aren't spreading as well as they used to. And this is worth thinking about. If you want to write this down, there are some thoughts here that are important for you to take hold of. I've been told by people who know more about this subject than I do that credit cards have pretty well taken away some of the available spend for retailers. Retailers expected to have this 7% or so that's being wasted at the bank. And the reason it's being wasted at the bank is that, unfortunately, retailers asked people to put their purchases on credit in the past five to ten years, and the poor wretches are still paying off the purchases they made, but they're paying more than the product was worth. I think if you bought a shirt for $57 and made the minimum payment, it would take you four years and seven months, and you'd end up paying $143 for the thing because of the credit charges at the bank. So a lot of the retail of the available money for retailers is being wasted on credit payments at the bank. So money that you and I would like to see come into our hands is going to the banks because people have been putting their purchases on credit beforehand. So that's definitely taken care of some of our money. The next part, in fact it's up to 7%. It's been said that up to 4% of what used to be spent at retail is now being spent on gaming. Now, it's not for me to make a value judgment either way, except that I hope they all get the pox and burn. Um, that's just <laughs> something that I've said as I pass by. Uh, but 4% of your money is going to the gaming syndicates, and of course, the gaming syndicates 
are owned by the government, and so it's an indirect tax that's being taken out of your pocket that could go to spreading love, charm, and joy with your beautiful products, your flowers and floral arrangements. Anyway, gaming has taken a lot of our money as well. And of course, as you know, the ravages of GST have turned out to be quite extraordinary. It's my personal belief that I'm not sure that anybody really understood what GST would mean. I think they worked it out on paper, but they didn't come to the conclusion that although prices wouldn't vary much, everybody's price would be affected. So I thought, well, this will be good. I'll catch those rich blighters when they buy their petrol and their bread and their flowers. But I didn't realise that the rest of us would be caught with our phone bill and our gas bill and our electricity bill and our council rates and everything conceivable under the sun. So it seems to have taken a little bit of time for us all to adjust. So you can see why we say that there seem to be less customers to spread around. Now, of course, you add other things like the mobile telephone craze that's currently taking Australia by storm. And you see that many people are spending a lot of their old retail dollars on luxuries and wanton pleasures like using the mobile phone ad hoc, day in, day out, sending themselves little MSN messages and whatever else might be taking place. So customers are spread around less evenly and less thickly. So we should sell more to those we get to take up the slack from those we're not getting. So when someone comes into your store to spend something, you need to look at them with a look of such joy and pleasure on your face, trying not to dribble from both sides of your mouth, <laughs> saying, oh, good, thanks for coming in, and do spend on behalf of the four people that are never coming in again. <laughs> Let me do my best to help you take your rightful part in the food chain, to take up the slack and do what you must do. How about I tell you the thing that started all this business of add-on selling was the Walgren drugstore chain. The Walgreens drugstore chain was going through the depression in, the, in America in the 1920s, 30s, around that bridge between 29 and 32. It, it hired a time and motion study expert by the name of Elmer Wheeler. And in those days, time and motion study experts, we don't have any more, um, they were the kind of people who looked at the number of moves you made to perform something, so that if you were making a... Uh, making a a widget, you know, an egg beater or something, they would see, well, you've got to streamline that process because you've got too many moves of screws and hands. You need to get the line put out in a place that makes it simpler. That's where you can cut your costs. And he was asked to cut the cost in Walgreens, perhaps with the handling, with the, with the deliveries, with the way they did the banking. Who knows? He just couldn't find a way anyway. And he looked at them from top to bottom, from end to east to west, and couldn't find any way. He was sitting down one day and he heard a customer ordering a soda, I guess what we'd call a milkshake. And he heard the customer say, how much for an egg? And I guess that's what we would call an egg flip, to put an egg, an egg in the milk and whip it up as a milkshake. And, and the kid said, uh, that'll be five cents. Suddenly, Elmer Wheeler had a BFO, a blinding flash of the obvious. For he had just done the egg inventory and had finished calculating that they purchased eggs for 15 cents a dozen and sold eggs for 30 cents a dozen. I know some of you have leapt ahead of me already. So you get 100% markup on the eggs if you sell them for 30 cents a dozen in a box. True? Or true? So with the 30 cents a dozen, that's fine, but now you put them in a malted milk, how much does a dozen eggs sell for if you put them in a dozen malted milks? 
60 cents. You just went from 100% markup to 400% markup, and your profit went from 15 cents to 45 cents. Elmer Wheeler's blinding flash of the obvious said, the answer's in their makes. And so he taught the clerks behind the soda counter that when a person came in and said, I have me a soda, please, they were to reach under the counter, take out two eggs, and say, is that worth one egg or two? <laughs> now, if this room were asked that question, there would be some people in this room who would say, why, you cheeky young sausage, if I wanted an egg, I would ask for it. And some of you would even wear a t-shirt saying, you'd just go angry and ape over the whole idea. That's your role in life. That's your job in the food chain, to go around grumpy and snaky and nasty and to wear the t-shirt that goes to McDonald's and says, no fries or fries and no burger. I mean, that's, that's the job of some percentage of the population. Some people would say, well, son, two eggs would sit right on my liver and I couldn't eat two eggs. Some people would say, son, I have chickens of my own. I don't need to buy eggs from you. Some people would say, well, two's too much for me, but I wouldn't mind one. Some people said, well, I'll just have me the one, thank you. Now go on, give me two. And some people said, well, my hands are off the lay. I'll have me the two right now. And some people said, my hands are so off the lay. I want two in that mold of milk and I want a dozen take home with me. You see, that's why Walgreens to this day will say they were saved by the Elmer Wheeler egg question. It became known in sales as the Wheeler Quitch Close, which really have one or two, not that be all. <laughs> or just the rose, <laughs> just the cabbage then, just the razor blades, right? Anything else? I love that. Knee thing else. <laughs> Nathan Kels. Uh, what is amazing is that I go to places and I try to teach them these techniques and they say, oh, I'm not learning that, I'd sound stupid. <laughs> and you go to their shop the next day and they're standing behind their counter going, happy all, it, it, happy all, it, just the rose, Nathan Kels, it, Nathan Kels, it, it. Makes you worry, doesn't it? Well, look, Daryl Elmer Wheeler has shown us the way. We move on. We do need a new mindset. Let me explain that I see add-on selling as an open wallet opportunity. When my son was a little boy, I taught him to sell. And so he'd meet me at the front door. I hated whinging, whining kids and I wasn't going to have any. And I, I hated going to people's houses and hearing the kids saying, Nanny, you playing finger with me. Please playing finger with me. I'm playing finger. I'm playing finger. I said, I'm not going to have a kid like that. So my son would meet me at the front door with a bat in one hand and a ball in the other. And I said, get out of the car. He'd stand there and nonchalantly ask, you're batting or bowling? <laughs> and that was known in our house as dropping the heavy clothes, the wheel of witch clothes. There was no option. It wasn't saying, would you like to play cricket or not, is you're playing cricket, you just now have to make a little choice, it's batting or bowling, I've done the hard part for you. 
follow my drift? I released this monster on the world at the age of 16 to go and work at the athlete's foot in James Place in Adelaide. He came home on the first day and he said, I blitzed him. I knocked dead every other salesperson in the store. I said, on your first day? He said, yeah, I was huge. I said, what was your best thing? He said, this bloke comes in right near the end and he's, got a, and he's puffing and he says he's got to buy some new running shoes and he said he's only got $250 to spend on them. So I'm fitting his shoes on and I look up and he's counting the notes in his wallet. He's got five $100 bills in there. They're not in there now. <laughs> this was one lucky jogger. He had one to wear when he jogged and one to wear when he looked good. <laughs> and he'd parted with a lot. And that's where I got the idea of the open wallet opportunity. But you have to see add-on selling as just that. I've come in, my wallet or my purse is open. All you need to do is make the small decisions because I've already made the big one to walk in and to open the purse. Let me illustrate further. It's not a big decision. The little decisions are easy. When you say, now is there somebody overseas that you haven't sent a gift to for a long time? You get all cold and sweaty and you think, oh, that's a, that's a big thing. Oh, she's, you know, she looks poor, she's only got $12 and, and now I'm asking her to spend $85 on something to send to England. And you know what she'll say? She'll either say, no. And you look around, you'll notice that every time that happens, you just check now, look at your hands, look at your hands, say, would you like some flowers? Go and say that to me. Would you like some No. Now just check, how many of your fingers fell off? How many, how many legs dropped off? Nothing happened, see? It's just a painless little exercise. You know what McDonald's taught us? Eight out of ten people say no. Do you know that's the truth? Chris Baker tells me that 8 out of 10 people who are asked if they want fries or coffee or cherry pies say no. Their whole profit basis is worked out on the 2 out of 10 who say yes. What would you therefore say to the new kid just starting at the McDonald's shop who says to you, I'm not asking anybody ever again if they want fries because 8 out of 10 people don't and they hate it when you ask them. And some even swear at you and things. <laughs> and call you a pimply-faced boy and things. What would you say? Somebody call out what you would say. <laughs> Statistics show that the two out of ten who say yes keep you employed. Keep asking. I can guarantee that when you get back to your store on Thursday morning, the first person you ask if they would like to send flowers to someone overseas that they haven't seen for a while, or the first person you say, how long since you've sent your mother flowers, I guarantee they will say, oh, thank you very much. My mother died when she was, I was four years old and I never had it ruined my whole life. I guarantee the first person you offer an add-on sale to will be out on special methadone withdrawal treatment for the day. <laughs> and their job is to go out and terrorise a, a retailer. <laughs> and the first person that asks them they want to buy something else, this person... Guaranteed. Guaranteed, I tell you. And if you've got somebody who's really frightened of doing this and you cajole them and you pay them extra, you give them Mars bars and lollies, it'll happen to them. 
uh, they might enjoy their purchase more. Now here's a little assignment for you. I want you to tell me how they might enjoy their purchase more if you got them to buy something else with what they're buying. So here's your assignment. First of all, say, okay, they're buying a hmm. And if we got them to buy a hmm and a hmm, that would help them to enjoy the first hmm more. That's your little job. You understand? So first of all, we'll get what they're buying and how the extra thing would help them enjoy the first one more. Your assignment, I'll play your music, you have a little think, we've got about 30, 40 seconds. <coughs> because it, it being a service, the added service might add life. Now this is pretty obvious because I think we already hinted at that, but how might the added service add life to what they purchase? Remember they've got to buy something else to go with the first thing they're buying and how will the something else you're suggesting add life? and they might buy the same elsewhere. Quickly think this through, but where else might they buy the same sort of thing if you don't sell it to them? They buy their bunch of flowers and then they go somewhere else and buy whatever. Well, where else might they buy something else? Quickly rattle through who your opposition is. Ready, set, go. You've got about 15 seconds for this. Where else might they buy? Yes, yes, yes. And do you know what you did when you just made that list? You admitted that the person had more money than you thought they did when they came into your store. How many times have you seen somebody who looks poverty-stricken, you think to yourself, oh, I couldn't ask the poor thing to buy another daffodil to make it the, you know, the two dozen, I just leave it at that. And they go down and you watch them go straight down the lotto and scratch their life away for 25 bucks, throwing the bits and pieces over their shoulders. And you think, the amount of love they could have given with a $25 worth of bunch of flowers or a gift or a teddy or a balloon to some little sick person that needed it and they've gone and squandered all that money on the scratchies with a loss ratio of about 9 million to 1. Yes, you know they will spend their money elsewhere if they don't spend it with you. It's your job to get as much money out of their purse as possible. Do you think the Franklin's man likes you having his money? Do you think the Woolworth's man likes you having his money? Do you think the Coles man likes you having his money? Do you think the boot man and the tyre man and the lotto man like you having their money? No, they're out there fighting to get it. But not us. We say, oh, well, everybody's got to have their share. I don't mind being poor and broke. So long as nobody thinks I'm pushy, it'll be all right. I'll starve to death. Let Woolworths get rich. Let Coles make lots of money. I don't care. So long as I look honest and decent in the street and I can look people in the eye and nobody talks about me at the bridge club and says, oh, that Beryl, she's pushy down at the flower shop. <laughs> You, you integrity yourself all the way to the poorhouse. Oh, good on you. It's a service. They might buy a similar product. Well, I think we don't need to talk about that too much. They might buy a similar product because they could buy a potted flower or they could buy something... Pardon? They could buy, that's the word I was looking for. In fact, that's what they are, aren't they? See, I can tell. They're not real? Oh. No sense, see? No, you, they might buy an artificial flower, they might buy a silk flower, they might buy something that looks good and they sprinkle perfume on it and everybody says, oh, lovely roses, Madge, where did you get those? And she says, I grow them myself. <laughs> Down the old levee behind the pepper tree. Nobody's allowed to go there. We know they'll buy something else, a substitute, which won't be as satisfying or as delightful. You might save them the hassle, and there's all sorts of hassles you could save them of having to shop around, of having to go somewhere else, of having to find another park, of getting home and saying, oh, I forgot to get a card. Oh, I wish I had something to wrap these in. 
Look, I've only got this plastic bag the florist gave you. It looks so cruddy going along to the party with a plastic bag around with all the drips hanging out. I wish I'd got them to wrap it properly. I wish they'd offer to wrap it properly. Hmm? It's your job to make them look better and to make them feel better about the whole process. Well, it's a service. They will come back, and we'll talk about that after the break. We'll have the break soon, but first of all, let's just say why we find it so hard. Why do I have to be employed and go around the country non-stop, flying first class, staying in five-star hotels, <laughs> eating exotic breakfast? Why do I have to suffer like this? Well, that's what other clients do for me. Uh, the, the reason is simply, folks, that we find it harder. We find, well, first of all, we forget. You just get so busy. There's lots of people in the store. And I can't be mad at you for that because you've got a good business going on and, you, and you've got wreaths to get out because a lot of people... In Queensland, I'm terrified of going to Queensland. I wouldn't go there to retire. You know all the people in Queensland die in alphabetical order? I was looking... <laughs> More people die in Queensland than anywhere else in Australia. And it's all in... Mm, never mind. They, uh, you do forget because you get busy, you've got orders to fulfil. You know, somebody in England decided to send every Englishman they know a bunch of flowers for whatever day it was in England that day, Guy Fawkes Day. And so you just flat out. And I walk in and I say, yes, I'd like a, I'd like, like a cornflower in my buttonhole, please. And you say, yeah, yeah, go buzz off. Um, and you forgot to say, and what about something for the lovely Christine? Or how about sending something for your mother? You just forgot. And that's forgivable. We've got to try to remember because we've got to eat. You can't keep on forgetting. And you can't keep on letting people say they forgot. And if you've got employees working for you and you say, how, how many add-on sales have you attempted today? And they say, hmm, I, I forgot. <laughs> well, I think the next thing you need to say is, well, how about forgetting to come to work tomorrow? <laughs> you know, some people have no idea where their money comes from. I said to this kid one day in a shop, so who pays your wages? And she said, ah, the boss is Mrs. Tuesdays. And I said, right. Uh, where does the boss's missus get the money? Ah, uh, the bank. Right. And where does the bank get the money? Ah, uh, government. Right. Have you ever seen boss's missus go to the bank with money? Yeah, she says. Where does boss's missus get the money from? Uh, at the cash drawer. Right. How does the money get in the cash drawer? Ah, uh, I'll put it there. <laughs> and where do you get it? people to buy the stuff. Right. So who pays your wages? You see the little pennies dropping one by one like an old fourpenny telephone booth. <laughs> and the people... <laughs> Blooming marvellous. So that's why I say some of them need to be reminded not to come tomorrow until they work it out. You're not employed here to forget. You're employed here to remember. It's a show. And the show includes... How about something for mum overseas? What about an auntie you haven't seen a gift to for a long time? Has somebody just had a baby? That's part of the show. Make add-on selling part of every encounter, we say. And some people think it's wrong. You think the customer will be offended. In fact, I find that most people think this is the world's view of them. They dared to ask someone to buy something extra, and so they should be put in the stocks with tomatoes and eggs thrown at them. You hear them on the radio, they say, oh, they're really good at that shop. They never ask you to buy anything. They're not pushy there. None of those horrible pushy salespeople. 
Well, that's because the places will be broke tomorrow unless they've made it a real part of their business where they say no customer asks to buy, but they make all their merchandising so enticing you just beg to take it home with you. You can't have one without the other. You've got to have something in your business that says, buy me, buy me, buy me, like Alice and her little cake. Eat me, eat me, and her little drink, drink me, drink me. Or take me home, smell me, smell me. Wear me, wear me. Give me, give me. Or all those things that you need to have in your merchandising, as well as your mouth that says, buy, buy, buy. And one of the other things that bothers us is that we're Aussies. And frankly, a lot of Australians, New Zealanders, and and I find salespeople all over the place these days suffer from this little problem. Speak when you're spoken to, don't butt in, don't have an opinion, don't dob, keep to yourself, keep your opinions to yourself, button your lip. Now this is not good sales training. Because as salespeople we need to be able to put on the act when we're on stage, when the curtain opens and the doors open and the customers come in and take their seats, we are supposed to perform with questions, with butting in politely, kindly, gently. It's all singing, it's all dancing. It's all part of the offer, it's all part of the merchandising. But unfortunately, grandma, dad and the teachers, homework. Last night's homework. What is the capital of California? What's your name, son? Simon. Right, Simon. <laughs> capital of California. Oh, don't look at me like an imbecile, son. Either you know or you don't know. Look, son, when people ask you a question, look them in the eye and give them a decent answer. Do you hear me? That's better, son. This is terrible sales training. It's terrible sales training. Because what Simon really needs to do is when I say, how much for a bunch of roses? He says, well, if you're just buying the one, they're $12 for the bunch. But if you buy the roses with the teddy, it's only $15. Normally it's $20. Would you like the roses and the teddy? That's the kind of thing we need to have come out of our mouths, but it's not in our culture. Do you understand that? It's foreign to our culture. And you can listen to all the tapes from the United States and read all the books from the United States. Unfortunately, their culture is different from our culture. In a way, I think it's different from their own culture. <laughs> Because I've been living in America and I noticed that those folks have the same problem as we do. They're just too well-mannered for their own good. It's not part of the show. That's fine when you go to grandma's house, but when you're in the shop, you need to be on your front foot looking for the opportunity and the opening, a little bit daring, a little bit devil-may-care, a little bit of a show person. So far we've talked about what is that on selling, what is the purpose of business, why should we sell more, who sells more, who started the whole process? We've checked our assets. We've talked about the new mindset of making sure it's a service. And we've talked about why we find it so hard. Well, let's move on to talk about the three things that make us better at verbally selling and being good on our feet. And that is the simple principle of alertness. I'll talk about slam dunks, form questions, and creative plays. Let's look at slam dunks to start with. You know what a slam dunk is? Well, the big tall basketballer catches the ball mid-air and whacks the ball through the basket. A good slam dunk pass is where the little bloke like Shane Heal throws the ball in the air from beyond the three-point line and the tall guy gets the ball while it's still in the air and just whacks it through. The customer sometimes throws us a slam dunk pass and all we have to do is whack the ball in. They're not common, 
but they're common enough. They're, they, they do appear. It's not like I get 40 an hour, though. And they do come with buying signs. So when somebody offers you a buying sign, it's usually what we call a slam dunk pass. They've tossed the ball up near the hoop. All you have to do is give it a tiny whack, and in it goes. For example, they say, pity shop roses don't smell these days, and you say, you haven't smelt these. I can bunch six of these for you, and they will sweeten the room for three weeks, especially if we pop in some flower preserver to go with them. Have a whiff. That's it. It's a slam dunk pass. They just throw you an off-handed remark, and all you have to do is leap in the air and go whack. You didn't have to aim. You didn't have to try hard. You didn't have to dribble up and bounce and dodge and weave. All you had to be was there and go flick. Or they might say, aren't the, what? Aren't the anemones? Aren't the petunias? Aren't stocks? Aren't snapdragons? Aren't uh, heliogeny hackifolias? Aren't they all beautiful this time of the year? Aren't they gorgeous? And you say, of course, shall I pop a bow around half a dozen or a dozen? That's the slam dunk from the butte pass they threw you. Or you say, would you like to write on the gift card while I bunch some up for you? That's a simple little statement. You know what most people do? I say, gosh, aren't the stocks gorgeous this time of year? You know what they say? Yes, I love stocks myself. I was They all look good in a wreath, really. When I was young, I had stocks come to my father's funeral. I still think of my father every time I smell a stock. Yes, they're lovely, really. I love the shop full of stocks. Yes, the stocks are beautiful this time of year. I walk in, I think of it. It's lovely, really. And the growers are very good at this. Their lovely, lovely person comes around, brings us the stocks. The stock lady, we call him. Uh, call her. Uh, sorry. <laughs> That's not selling, that's waffling, it's raving on, it's entertaining people flapping your gums. It's not making you any money. You're not paid to be nice, you're paid to be wealthy. Yes, hello? You're paid to take your part in the food chain, and your part in the food chain is to take their money and give them your flowers, not to entertain them and yabber on all day. It's entertainment for payment. So when they say, oh, I love the smell of stocks, you say, well, a lovely big bunch like that's only $30. I can pop a ribbon around them with some flower preserver, $38, you've got them for about 10 days in your home and they're really lovely. Shall I bunch them up for you? It's that simple, slam dunk pass, whack it in the basket. I want you to have a little question, a little think about that yourself. How about you think of some instances where you've been thrown a real good slam dunk pass and share it with the people around you, it's either a success story we said, well, this woman said to me one day, and I took all courage in both hands, and I said, would you like them? And so she bought $8,000 worth. That's a success story. Or you might say, don't. People, this woman said to me just this morning, such and such and such and such, and I just rabbited on about the price of bus fares. So have a little think to yourselves. Share that for a moment about when slam dunk passes occur and what you should say in response. Have a little shot at that. This will test the memory. Okay, well last week I had a lady come in and she said, I just want to buy a nice bunch of bright flowers for a friend who's a bit depressed. And she said, I want something to, to go with it, something cute. I said, right, just a moment. Just had these things come out, uh, just come in. Let me go and unpack them for you. Went out the back and bought cute little teddies and puppy dogs that I'd just received shipment of. Took them out, put them on the counter. She said, oh, that's gorgeous. Just have that one, I've just got to have it. And I said, well, they're only 12.50 each. And her little boy said, mummy, mummy, we want one of those little dogs each. And she said, 
bit of a comfort conversation with the kids, and so they all walked out with paper bags with little toys and flowers, and they were very happy. Very good. Now there's one slam dunk pass. I've got a friend who's a bit depressed who wants something pretty, and she turned it into a whop, 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 five five golds in a in a basket. Now stay right there because I want to show you something else, and uh, I need a couple of people for this. Thank you. And, and Greg, could I just borrow you again for a second, please? Just just uh, the uh, the question I have for you is, why did you all take my card, valise, the, that terrible CD? Uh, the bottle of water, the rubber band, and the bottle top. Well, now, I could have done this. I could have said, Greg, uh, nice card, uh, bottle, of whoops, bottle of water. I could have just put them on the counter. Or I could have put them where your mummy used to put your bottle and your rusk with the Vegemite on it. Do you remember? Those of you who are mothers and fathers will remember doing this recently. What happened when mummy... Let me give me the bottle. Thank you. What happened when mummy gave you the bottle, she put it... Interesting. See that? See... Well, look. Watch this. Watch this. She can't help it. You pat a dog on the tummy, its hand goes up to shake hands. You put something in this position for a Western adult and every corpuscle of their being screams out to take it and they have to concentrate like mad not to till they bust from it. <laughs> if you don't take it, I'll punch it. You, tr you try that. Put something you've got in your lap of your hand in the tar position, because that was what Mummy said, didn't she? She put your bottle there and she'd say, tar. Do it. Ta. And the whole thing goes together. It's poetry. Ta. Look at it. It's gorgeous. Ta. Now, you come into my store and you've asked me for this bunch of flowers. I'm getting them ready and I just lean around like that and I've given you a nice little bunch of roses or a posy. I don't even look at you. I just put it there and the whole gesture says, Ta, take it now. Ta, and take it now. You can't help it. So I'm busy calculating all of this, pop the roses up there, and away you go. And you say, now, would you like those as well? They're gorgeous, aren't they? <laughs> what can she say if she doesn't want to? No. no. And at the bridge club, can she go away and say, ah, that Mavis, she's pussy. She put flowers in my hand and expected me to buy them. Yeah, I have hair. Well, you know, eight out of ten will be like that. The two of them are designed to be neurotic and, and make your life miserable. But two out of ten will say, Yes. And they're the two that we want to come back again and bring their friend. So thank you for that little doggy story. And that could even be more powerful with the tar position. Go on, put something in the tar position for your neighbour. Just put it right there, right in their tar position. You can't resist it. Thank you, Chris. This goes with that. At Suzanne is an old phrase, but we say this goes with that. There's four per item that go with this. Now, I told you I'd tell you about my friend Kevin Spohr at Bundaberg Brumbies in Queensland. He read my book. In fact, if you look at his version of my book, it's terribly mutilated. It's got colourings in, it's got yellow sticky pads, it's got bits taken out of it, it's got breadcrumbs and squash sultanas from the bakery all through the book. So Kev has taken all the young people in his store and he's taken them out for breakfast a few times and he said, let's learn by heart the five items that go with our best-selling 
25 items. Now they have hundreds of different items. They have the Dutch loaf and they have sausage rolls, they have pies, they have Cokes, they have whatever else. And they've listed the top selling 25 out of their hundreds of items. And for each one of those 25, they've listed the five that go with each one. And then they've taught the rhythm. This goes with that. So when somebody says, pie, thanks, the kid behind the counter goes through a poetic little ballet motion, <laughs> bends down to the, in slow motion, I'm doing it in slow motion, they don't do it in slow motion, that'd look silly, wouldn't it? Uh, but they, just in case you were wondering, they pull out the pie drawer, and as they reach down, they say, and sauce? I'm sorry. <laughs> then they say, uh, chocolate milk with a pie is great, and out comes that. The person says, no, no. They pop up and they say, coffee scrolls are just out of the oven. Eight for the price of six today. The person says, no. And they say, can I get you a sliced Vienna loaf? Thick or thin? Oh, yes, I'll have the thick. And you say they're not as thick as some. And so they get a sale one way or the other from these four or five items that go with it. So it's just as smooth as this. They say, uh, sauce with it. We want a milk? The chocolate milk's just come in. They're nice. Okay. Now, today we've got coffee scrolls for eight for the price of six. Would you like six of those in a bag? Eight of those in a bag? Okay. Now, look, the Vienna slice. You need always need sandwiches. Two for the price of whatever it says, or a Dutch loaf thrown in for good measure. And it's all over and done with, and I'm not as smooth as they are because they do it every day. But on their top 25 items, they've got five items that go with each one. Now, I'm not entirely sure that you have five items to go with 25 items, but I reckon you could probably have three or four that go with your best four or five. Would that be a fair thing to think about? Well, here you are. Let's do a Kev from Brumbies. And the customer asks for... Did it, it? And you offer them one, two, three, and four. Just match them up now. Say take two products or two items, two lines, and calculate what are the four things that could go with that in a nice, smooth little piece of poetic ballet that nobody would see and they wouldn't say to themselves, gosh, they're pushy in there. It's just something you chat along and say, oh, they're nice. And would you like one of those? These are beautiful, aren't they? Tar position this. And how about one of those? And I'll wrap that up for you. Would you like one of these to go with it? And they don't know what's happened to them. But somewhere in there, they said, yeah, that's good. And we got our average sale up, and we got somebody loving us, and we got somebody who might bring back another person because they thought we were servicey rather than pushy, helpy rather than pushy, lovey rather than nasty. Okay, you have a little shot at it. Your one item that they choose, and you add these possible four to it. Where you go, your turn. Well, thank you. Now, that's a project that you need to complete over the next week. Be thinking about that and write this out and make it an exercise. Now, that's why I want to recommend to you the book, Make More Money From Every Sale, because it's designed like a manual to help you think through all these things bit by bit. And if you leave here with nothing else tonight, leave here with the resolve to spend your $14.30 and take it with you, because I guarantee that if you cannot make $14.30, out of the ideas in that book in the next month, you send it back to me, filled in, and I will give you $28.60 in return. And the address of a good psychiatrist. Because <laughs> I cannot possibly think how you couldn't make $14.30 out of the ideas in that book and the things that we teach in there, which are simple, such as sell them in bunches like bananas. 
Sure, you put daffodils in a bunch, you put marigolds in a bunch, you put whatever else in a bunch, but then you should put the whole lot in bunches and put them in bundles. You see, Ken Tag in the McDonald's stores in Penrith in New South Wales came up with McValue meals because too many people were coming into the McDonald's store saying, if I wanted fries, I would have asked for them. And he had people coming to the stores frustrating his kids because they'd come in and say, uh, fries, uh, just to annoy them. So the kid couldn't say, would you like fries? Oh, <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> so Ken created the McValue meal, which have now gone around the world. And the McValue meal, as, as you know, just has a number one, two, three, or four in it. So now you go into the store and all you have to do is say, oh, number one. What do you want? Oh, two. Yeah, one and a two, mate. And, and it's that easy for you. So you need to do the same thing. Bundling is a key way to selling more. And you need to have your bunches there. Put your teddy with your flowers, with your card, with your ribbon, with your gift voucher for Mother's Day, with your Christmas advance purchase for the flowers to send overseas through your Interflora link. Put the whole lot in a package together and put it there as your bundle. Put it in the window. This you can have for $95, normally $143. Today you can have it for $95 or this week's special or whatever. It's not just about beautiful floral displays and bouquets. It's about creative selling and creative bundling so that you get more sales and you increase that average sale by 10%. Some will spend double, some will spend 1% more, but it'll average out to, I can guarantee it'll average out to more than a 10% increase. And some things like creative plays, like what to say. You ask the same question to every customer every day, for example. Same question, just, just test it. Think of one question and ask every customer the same question all day and see what happens. A miracle will happen. <laughs> you will think the blue fairy has come. <laughs> I told the Bob Jane guys this. I said, I want you to ask every customer tomorrow, would you like wheels with that? <laughs> Guy comes in for a puncture repair. Yeah, would you like reels with that? Guy comes in and says, where's Centrelink? Would you like reels with that? <laughs> what time's the bus come? Yeah, would you like reels with your... Whatever, every person that comes to your store asks them if they like reels with that. They all protested. They said, oh, well, that'd be all right, but I'm not asking that for some stupid kid with a Datsun 120Y that you just don't do that, Colin. I said, all right, you're excused. No Datsun 120Ys, but ask everybody else. 10 o'clock the next morning, Andrew Andreas from Edwardstown, Bob Jane T-Mart store, rang me up. He was in a lather. He could hardly talk. He said, you won't believe what has happened. A guy came in this morning, he's got a Datsun 120Y. <laughs> he said, Rick, it's 14 different colours. He wants to know if I do him a retread. We don't do retreads because of safety, he says. So I said, how about a set of wheels for your car? He says, how much? I have to scrape myself off the ground. I said, it's $1,100. He said, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> he goes to the automatic teller machine. He comes back, he's got $1,100. He buys his set of wheels. I took before and after pictures. <laughs> if you go to the Edwardtown store and ask Andrew for his before and after pictures of the Datsun 120Y in Colin's book, he'll gladly show them to you. It happened to him twice. He's got two of them. It happened about six or eight months later. He rings me up and he says, you won't believe this. It's rain and that's in 120 Ys. <laughs> Mark Harris at the Bob Jane T-Mart at Prospect rings me up and he says, a guy comes in and we had busted the head off his bolts on his four-wheel drive and we're trying to chip them off because he'd lost his wheel lock key. 
And we had to chisel these wheels off. So I, I came out and I said, uh, instead of just wheel nuts, why don't you get a <laughs> new set of wheels? Be out of the question, I suppose, would it? <laughs> the bloke said, yeah, I've been thinking about that. Yeah, how much? I said, oh, $1,500. <laughs> he said, yeah, stick them on. He says, I couldn't believe it. And those guys had never sold more than 28 wheels, something 27 or 29, some silly number, for the whole state ever in a month. That month, I think each week they sold about 110 wheels a week. And they just went beyond, absolutely beyond. You know why? They asked every customer the same dumb question. Is the right wheels for that? You can do it. It happens. These people, the muffin break people, they said, can you put our sales up 10%? And I said, uh, gee, that'd be hard. Now, a real consultant looks at your business, sees the answer in the first 15 seconds, goes away for six weeks, writes a fat report and charges you $50,000. Buffhead looks straight up at the chalkboard and says, yeah, I think I can fix that for you. Let me buy the coffees. So I went over and give them their extra thousands of dollars a year. It cost me $2.80. But it was as plain as the nose on my face. I said, I can't believe you can't see this yourself. Because it said cappuccinos, $2. Mugs, $2.20. So I said, when a person comes up to the counter and says, Cappuccino, please, reach for a mug and say, as you look appealing, <laughs> wet-lipped, one side, pupils dilated, on your toes, say, in a mug? If there's hesitation, you say, it's only 20 cents more and you get 50% more coffee. Right? Only 20 cents, 50% more. <laughs> the Cairns Muffin Break store sold his coffee cups to the cafe downstairs and only bought mugs. Many of them don't use their cups at all because all they do is sell this. I told the first kid out here at Tea Tree Plaza, I said, I want you to do this, and she told me on the, this was a Friday, told me on the Tuesday when I went back, she said, oh, I thought you were really nuts. <laughs> I thought, you know, I was, mm, the younger mug, I thought I wasn't gonna do it. And on Saturday, I sold 98 mugs of coffee, and I only normally do about two. It was great. I didn't believe it, it was really good. And that story repeated over and over again. Why? Same question to every customer, Repeat, repeat, repeat. I like that, don't you? So what could you say? Same question. Is there anyone you know who's sick who'd like some flowers? Now, I thought that if you asked that question, they'd think you were getting free flowers. All right, so you'll have to refine that. I'm no florist, so you'll have to think about that. And besides, I haven't been paid my $50,000 to come up with your question yet. <laughs> I, but I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Uh, I'm that dumb. Uh, the same question goes, how long since you sent your mother some flowers and told her you loved her? Uh, my mother died when I was four, so I didn't send any to her. Oh, your grandmother? Yeah, I never had a grandmother. I, was, I had accounts for why I'm such a vegetable. That's what I don't know. Look, you, you will come up with a question. It's the same question every day. Might be buttonhole. Have, have it a nice rose to go in your lapel. I guarantee if you've got five people in your shop, four of them will say one, no, and the one you didn't ask will say, oh, I'll have one. Haven't had a buttonhole for years. Just keep asking. Ask, 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 ask. Last story. I had a sales manager once. Uh, I was working on encyclopedias years a year, 20 years ago. And uh, we knew that we all talked too much, so Joe Brennan said to me, tell you what, it was Irish, he said, tell you what, if we hear the other one talking too much, we'll say, ask. 
We do an ask of a question. So we'd be talking away. Somebody come to the show and they'd say, uh, Have these got dogs in them? And you say, oh, yes, dogs. Marvellous dog article. Good thing about the World Book Encyclopedia, it starts with a little article, with little children, little words, and gradually by the end of the article, you have big words with big children, matriculation, you have high school, and in the background, the other one was supposed to say, uh, excuse me, can I just ask you where the water is? Or, excuse me, can I ask you where the tissues are? And that would be our clue. We'd say, oh, ask, you're supposed to have asked a question. So we'd say, yeah, I was wasping. Do you have a dog? And that would be our cue to get the person involved. But Joe would stand behind me and I'd be chatting away. And suddenly he'd go, ask! Ask! <laughs> <laughs> It got to the point where I'd hear the tissue box rattle. I'd go, rattle, 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 rattle. Oh, have you got a dog? Why don't you do that in your shop? Because it's the ideal place to have hay fever, isn't it? So you could simply, you hear somebody going, in the background, all have an arse now. Go on, all have a little practice. Ready, set, go. That's it. Hey. It's time for us to finish. And I think I want to finish by simply saying that uh, if you picked up one item per team member, and that person could become the red rose lady today, I'm the red rose lady today. Would you like half a dozen? That becomes your thing. Let's, who wants to be red rose lady today? So among the team, okay. Um, Martin, you wouldn't make a very good red rose lady. You'd be a red rose man if you like or one product for the week. It's Stock Week. All proceeds of the sales of stocks go to Westpac in my shares account. Well, it's called Stock Week. Well, you can see and you can tell that I could stand here and talk for the next four hours on the subject of add-on selling because I think it's so dramatic and so exciting to see what happens in stores. As I close, I wish to tell you about the woman in Alice Springs who was at a seminar like this. Two days later, she rang up and she said, marvellous thing just happened. A bloke came in into a bedroom mazurka Manchester store and said he wanted to get a pillow for his truck. He's a trucker. She said, well, if you're going to have a pillow in your truck, you need a nice pillowcase cover to go with it and a pillowcase. Because I remembered what you said, you've got to ask until they say no. And he said, yeah, yeah. So I said, well... Why are you only getting a pillow? He said, I'm doing up my truck. I haven't worked out what colour to do the inside yet. She said, well, how about you match it with the bedding? If you're getting a new truck inside, you want a new bed, new mattress cover, new silky sheets, new little bedside dropper on the side. He came in for a $7.95 pillow and went out with $400 worth of Manchester, all done out in a blokey colour for the inside of his truck. It doesn't stop there. The next day, the missus came in. Because he said, I'm telling the missus about you. <laughs> so when the missus came in, she bought new sheets, new bed cover, new pillows, and she went home with $600 worth of Manchester for the home. A $7.95 pillow turned into a $1,000 sale. Do you think that person was over the moon and she hasn't stopped yet? You're exactly right. That is the sort of thing that can happen to you. But you must ask. 
You must be interested. Keep your appearance looking great. Keep that smile on your face. Sound happy to help. Be enthusiastic. Say thank you. And above all, as I said at the beginning, have a servant heart. I wish you all the very best of success because in my bones I feel as though you richly deserve it and I think you will. So thank you. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Chris. And good night. You've been listening to Be So Good with Colin Pearce. Please share the link with someone who needs to be reminded that they are 10 times better than they think. For more episodes, check out the playlist at colinpearce.com slash podcast. And don't forget to drop a review in iTunes. It really does make a difference.